is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode. That's right, of the London is Blue podcast, where we are still the champions of Europe and Leeds. Still dirty in the year 2021, but we are so glad to be coming at you after a very spiky, after a very punchy win. No Brandon Busby, still on the men. Surgery went well. He's in recovery mode now on that ACL, MCL, whole knee rebuild. He's basically a bionic boy at this point. Cyborg. Nick Verlaney, you are here. We are excited. We're excited to talk about Leeds. We're excited to bring on a new first-time guest, too. That is right. And it feel, we were talking about this beforehand. It feels odd that this is a first-time guest after all the interaction that we've had. Uh, but Elizabeth Hellenic. Welcome to the show. A huge YouTube star, huge Twitter star, just making making the rounds on all of, all of the TV shows across the pond. Uh, welcome back or welcome for the first time. And then we'll welcome you back at some point in the future. Uh, thanks, Nick. You're making me blush. <laughs> I never know how to react to when people say nice things about me. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate it. And I'm super happy to be on. I've been listening to you guys for like years. So this is really cool to be able to do this with you. Well, Nick, Nick just wanted to, uh, to bring another person on who's beating him in Fantasy Premier League. So uh, checkbox, right. mission accomplished. Okay. We got that all done, all right. which is wonderful. <laughs> Here's the flaw in fantasy Premier League, if I may. If you have a couple of bad weeks at the start of the season, you basically have no shot. Like you're you're done because everyone adopts the same team and players after a certain point of the year. Like there are some things that you can do differently, but I had a shit start and now I'm just trying to make up ground. It's like going from 68th to 64th is not going to get it done. So uh, yes, I'm notoriously bad at fantasy Premier League, but I have tried through this point of the season for the first time in my life. So I haven't fallen off the wagon yet, guys. Come on. I'm here. We'll, we'll I applaud get, the endurance. <laughs> yeah. I always get so frustrated because whenever I bring somebody in, they either stop getting clean sheets or they'll stop scoring. And I've, I've had to like good instincts, but I've just been like a week or two late on everybody. Um, so I feel your pain, Nick. I feel it. And I, I'm feeling the same, but like, you, we will keep trying. <laughs> like Michael Antonio, brother. All I needed for you was to beat Burnley, a team that is terrible. Nothing. I got flat out nothing from you today. So, Well, that probably is beneficial for Chelsea. So we will talk about the Blues instead of Fantasy Premier League as we bring it in. We, of course, are going to have to start with the master of the dark arts himself, Antonio Rudiger, and how he helped. Yes, individually, one man got it done for Chelsea. We're going to go through the issues of the poorest defense that we've had a chance to watch. We're going to play a little... Today I learned a little T-I-L from the match we just witnessed. But of course, it has always started with the patented, trademarked three-word match review. Uh, Nick, no Brandon, which means it's your privilege to run us through what the people came up with. Yeah, uh, and the first one is incredibly strong, so it'll be a uh, it'll be a tough one to beat. Uh, Adi Joseph with pen is mightier, question mark. Uh, that is absolutely outstanding. Um True, true uh, wordsmith there. Ollie Glanville with George dropping finale. That was jaw dropping finale with Jorginho inserted in there. That was good. Uh, <laughs> Chad Pierce with guarantee did not make the show, but eat shit leads. Uh, well, you're wrong. It did make the show. Uh, Prashanth with ice, ice, baby. Def Jux daddy with Rudy runs rampant. Uh, alliteration always going to make the cut. 
Mr. Thurman with Reuters Righteous Res Erection. I don't, come on, man. It's a family show. Uh, Mr. C with Addicted to Drama and Kate with Dismal Defensive Display. We will certainly get into that and breathe, Dan. Well, there were a lot that was just uh, dirty, dirty leads, still dirty leads, fuck leads. There was a lot, you know, in that. Mm -hmm. So if you were there, I just want to let you know, we see you, we recognize you, and we agree with you. It's just that was overwhelming. We tried to pick some of the outliers here. But uh, Elizabeth, since your first time, we will give you the honors of the first uh, guest slash host through a match review. What'd you come up with? Mine was Miss You Chili because I honestly feel that we have not been playing at the same level since Ben Showell got injured. If you look at the stats, it's like quite alarming uh, since we won 4-0 against Juventus. In those five games, we've conceded 10 goals. So I don't think it's a coincidence that Ben Showell gets injured and Marcus Alonso slots in and we start conceding goals, unfortunately. So I really, really feel that we need Showell back. Hey guys, it's Editor Jake. Zoom crashed here. I couldn't really find a good way to naturally blend Elizabeth's points. So when she jumps to a bit of a different topic, talking about leads, bear with her. Not her fault. Zoom did us a little dirty. When they scored and the they equalized to 2-2 and they started celebrating with the fans and you could see it, I was like, no, this cannot happen. Please, we cannot draw to leads and give them that. We absolutely cannot. Uh, and you solve the passion. I'm sure we'll get to it at the end of the game with with that fight that broke out mm -hmm. uh, seemingly out of nowhere. And I think it just goes to show the history of this fixture. Dan, what about you? Yeah, I so I had to go with still dirty, comma, leads. You know, they it's are. been it's been a long time. You know, 1970 is uh uh, none of us recording this episode were alive during that FA Cup uh, final run. And yeah, uh, this definitely had the makings of something. Uh, if Leeds can stay up this season, um, that would be very fun to look forward to uh, in, in years to come. Uh, just like proper rivalries like this just don't exist a lot in modern football. And you could argue that Kavanaugh, really struggled to enforce rules that helped uh, generate player safety. Uh, but at least, you know, no one got majorly hurt. So we can enjoy the fact and laugh about it after the fact that this was, uh, was pretty fun to, uh, to watch. <laughs> I think every, every time we play leads, the Chelsea fan cast does like dirty leads done dirt cheap uh, as they're like, episode title and it's really hard to disagree with well that is fair um so before we get into the match just quick gratitudes uh, um please if you haven't go leave a five-star review on apple podcasts it's great because we can then tell people we can tell our parents that we're continuing to get five-star reviews and it's really really nice <laughs> so uh make ma dormer and uh, ma verlaney very very happy that would be wonderful Thanks. and hey look spotify wrapped uh, we're probably in one of your top podcasts if you use spotify so uh make sure to share that on social because mm -hmm. uh, nick really also uh he prints those out and he actually tapes them to his fridge and yeah. uh, he's still got a little white space left there so he really yeah. wants to make sure he fills that up before christmas so look the man doesn't have many wishes you know he's not looking for you to be in front of his door with a boom box white cards sharpie text but you yep. know the spotify raft we'll get we'll get him through the season so help him out there but anyway was that a, was that a reference <laughs> to any particular movie dan or but movies <clears throat> or movies. Um, anyway, match details. Our opponent was Dirty Leeds United. It was this past Saturday, December 11th. It was in the Premier League at Stamford Bridge, looked, which looked to be rocking as a match mm. that uh, unfortunately we missed. And uh, 
Should have been there, Dan. We should have damn been there. Ah. Damn Brandon Busby. Uh, Anyway, Chelsea 3, Dirty Leeds United 2. Goals from Rafinha, a penalty, Mason Mount in the 42nd minute. Jorginho, a pen. Joe Girlhart with a goal in the 83rd minute. And then Jorginho with a pen in the 90th plus 4th minute to round it out. Nick, why don't you run us through the lineup real quick, and then we'll get to the stats, XG, and all the goodness. Edwan Mendy between the six, uh, the sticks, obviously. Antonio Rudiger, Thiago Silva, Cesar Filiqueta is our back three. Alonzo and Reese James is wing backs. Jorginho and Ruben Loftus-Cheek back from a temporary injury and or still injured but forced to play based on what we saw at the midweek with our midfield. Uh, and then Timo Werner, Mason Mount, and Kai Havertz started sub appearances from Andreas Christensen in the 74th minute, Romelu Lukaku in the 87th minute, and Cal Mazzotto in the 74th minute. Unused subs, Kepa Aretha Balaga, Long Ross Barkley, Christian Pulisic, Sal Nuguez, and Hakim Ziyech. All right. And the stats as they stood, it was about 58 possession to Chelsea. So we had six shots on target to their five, 16 shots a total, their 12, 638 touches, their 493. It was a very back and forth game. No surprise. 415 passes, their 304, 18 tackles to their 23, 12 clearances to their 13, five corners to their two, one offside to their four, two yellow cards to their five, nine fouls conceded to their 15, and Kelly underscore graphics with the XG map that was a 1.1 plus two penalties to 0.9 plus one to Leeds United. So it was the battle of the pens and uh, Chelsea came out on top. And last thing here, Ellie, before we give you an option to respond on either the lineup, the stats, the XG, or the one random stat is that 90 plus four, Jorginho's winner, 93.11, was Chelsea's latest winning goal in a Premier League game since Florent Maluda's strike against Stoke in December, September of 2009. 93.36 gasp. Anything. Anything. You can, re- you can react to any of those topics. The lineup, the stats, the XG. Okay, there's a lot. Well, I will react to the late winner first because that was something that I felt that we don't do often obviously I don't want us to have to wait until a late winner to win a game I want us to have it won uh early but as soon as they equalized I was thinking like surely we're not going to win this game because we don't usually score late winners so that was something that was interesting to me and when Jorginho was taking that penalty I'm not going to lie I was so nervous because the whistle blew and he waited like quite a bit to take the penalty and I was like oh it's looking like he's gonna miss and then he was just as cool as you like slotted it into the bottom right hand corner so massive props to Georgie on that one Nick I think that takes us because that Jorginho take probably also gets filed in the uh, NV pet shithouse moments moments probably of the match you know it's just like hallmark right you know they, they do one christmas movie during like you know the middle of the year and it's like a thing but like this is where they they get their bread buttered this is where they make that basket and there were more than a fair share of a couple of shithouse moments in this one uh the mpet shithouse moment of the match otherwise known as the hallmark channel of christmas movie scenarios <laughs> that exist in the world okay so look i posted on twitter there were a lot to go uh, to get through here. Okay, there, this was a incredible shit house match. We probably haven't seen one of these uh, in in a little while. So I'm going to take you through a couple of the 
you know, kind of tastier moments that happened. Although please tweet at us if I missed one, because I want to relive this for as long as possible. Uh, first up, Mason Mount scores a lovely goal right in front of the lead fans. Offers a suggestion, Dan, maybe that they should be quiet. Uh, put Puts a finger up to his lips and says, shut up. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Uh, another one, probably an unexpected source of shithousery, Cesar Espilicueta. Uh, rocking through, gets subbed, takes the long way around on purpose uh, and offers some kisses to the lead fans on his way over to the bench, which I think, look, he's a classy guy. And that is a, a wonderful bit of affection that he's showing. It's a way to thank them for making the journey, you know, like, I mean, look, you know, you don't always yeah. get a souvenir when you make that trip. Mm. There's a, a wonderful photo of it. I think nice guy Kenny posted it on Twitter. It's uh, hilarious. And then, uh, look, uh, Havertz showing a little bit of tactical in the house here. Dan gets hurt almost every time he touches the ball in the 95th minute. And look, you can't mess around with injuries. We all know that once he's hurt, you you have to let the man have some space. Uh, one of my favorites from the match, and of course, we're going to get into Rudiger's. Uh, I think I have four with Rudiger here. But uh, every time, and this has happened multiple times this season, and I think he's, again, this is Apprentice Reese learning from the master Rudiger every time there's a throw in in the 90th minute or added time, whatever Reese forgets how to use his hands to catch the ball and it, and it dribbles out to the sideline. Then he has to spend an extra few seconds to go grab it. It is hilarious and would absolutely drive me mad if I was the opposition. Uh, so I love that. Uh, he also gets really stuck in. Uh, I'm going to combine the expected body stat in here with the shit out stat. He, uh, he had a pretty tough challenge <laughs> yesterday that I thought immediately was a red card, but luckily uh, it was not. Uh, and then Rudiger, okay? Rudiger not only wins two cheeky penalties, which is outrageous for a center back to be winning penalties that far up the pitch, uh, he, he decides that he's going to do one of the most insane celebrations I've ever seen after the game-winning penalty with his knees about as high as his face doing some sort of, it looks like a Russian dance type of deal uh, in front of the lead supporters. So that was pretty great. Very limber. Very, you know, like to get that Flexible, high with the knee. Been doing yoga. Really impressive. He's been working on it, Dan. Um, but of course, the two that make my list uh, for shithouse moment of the match are uh, at the end of the match, Rudiger is at the opposite end of the field where the uh, fight starts to break out. Okay, this is after the uh, final whistle. I don't know how it breaks out. I've watched it a bunch. I don't really get it. He runs 70 yards and sprints 70 yards. We have a video from the Matthew Harding West Stand, or actually the West Stand of Matthew Harding, of him just as a blur streaking across the field to go start a fight. And then uh, the, the one that I posted about that I love the most is Romelu Lukaku pulling him off and laughing in his ear like, you are the most ridiculous human being I've ever seen. Like, And he's the only one on Chelsea's squad who's big enough to like hold him but he's just like, he is dying laughing the entire time. So uh, look, this was an extended uh, shithouse moment of the match segment, but there was so much delightful stuff to get through, Dan, that I wanted to just pay homage to our team who got stuck in yesterday, never stopped fighting. And, uh, and look, there have been Chelsea teams that have lacked this edge in the past that have not gone on to win anything. I love that we have this edge. I love that we have it. And I think it's going to carry us forward. 
It feels like a little bit of this was some of the pent up frustration over the past couple results boiling mm-hmm. over. And uh, look, I'm not sorry that it was against Leeds that all of this uh, started to you know bubble over in the pot, but it was enjoyable. It was fun. And uh, we're going to get into all of that. And actually, we'll start talking a lot more about Antonio Rudiger in just a moment. We're going to take our quick ad break. I want to thank these sponsors for financially supporting the show. And then we will be right back. All right, before we talk about Antonio Rudiger, the man, the myth, the legend, the master of the dark arts, I want to thank Brent, Sean, Elijah, Jacob, and Channy for joining us on Patreon. Uh, it was great. We've had a lot of conversations about a lot of topics. The uh, Formula One channel was booming this morning. Uh, I've not watched the race yet, but uh, controversy, that name is uh, the FIA. Um, and we got more pods coming this week, Nick. We have uh, a few more in the in the hopper for people as they get ready to maybe head on their Christmas breaks or holiday vacations here. We had a, we had a light week last week with three pods. Uh, and I know you guys were like, where are the pods, fellas? Well, they're coming. Don't you worry about that. Uh, we have, obviously, you're listening to, to the Leeds match review. We have the women's match review versus Reading, which will not be as delightful to talk about, but we got to do it anyway. Uh, Joe and uh, and Yaz are back with a Tinkerman episode uh, this week, talking about some of the tactical adjustments that Chelsea are making. I, I'm looking forward to that. Those are always enthralling episodes. And then uh, every, we we play Everton on Thursday. It's a, We're getting into the weird schedule now, guys. So just remember, block your calendars. Everton's on Thursday, which means you'll have a delightful Friday match review uh, back in your feeds. And then we'll be back next Monday with a Wolves uh, match review as well. So, you know, just your casual four pod week. Yeah, cash, super cash. Anyway, mm-hmm. Rudiger, not Chelsea. I-, I had Chelsea finds a way. No, strike through, strike through that. It was Antonio Rudiger with the two penalty assists. If you have them fantasy Premier League, you love it. Um, but he bent reality to his will. This was a Thanos snap tile situation from Antonio Rudiger where he's like, I want a penalty. Snap. And it happened. Uh, he walked away with two of them. I just, Ellie, here's the stat to Antonio Rudiger is only the second Chelsea player to win two penalties in a single Premier League match uh, after Yuri Zirkov against Austin Villa in March of 2010, cunning. Um, how important is Antonio Rudiger? That's a mad stat. Um, and the thing that is not even that surprising to me, but I don't think that this is the first time he's won Chelsea penalties this season. I don't have that stat about how many penalties he's won, but for some reason, I feel like it's always Antonio Rudiger winning the penalties. Um, I think he but, got one in the Champions League too. Yeah, like he's he's always getting penalties. He's always making those runs into the box. And the thing that's kind of, silly from Lee's perspective is like especially the second one what was he realistically going to do you don't need to make that foul it's not like he's an attacker that's going to wiggle his way out and get across in like it's a center back but I honestly really love Antonio Rudiger's grit and determination and I think that that is what makes him so important to this Chelsea side like he's always making those runs he's always bombing forward and he's you know he has these house moments so to speak uh that he he just makes things happen for the side and that's why he's become so important and it seems I don't know it seems like he's on his way out over the summer and it's unfortunate because I think he's become uh one of the best players in the squad Nick would you say best players in the squad or maybe even one of the best center backs in the Premier League right now question mark yeah 
I mean, you know, we when we talk to Matt a lot, you know, every couple of weeks, you know, it, it's just I think we're all kind of hoping for some better news than we've been given <laughs> about his contract situation, although it is understandable kind of why we are where we are. You know, he's 29. He's had knee issues in the past and, you know, was in and out of the squad for a large part of his Chelsea career. I mean, even when he was you know, supposed to be the uh, the heir apparent to Cahill and, and Conte's back three, it was just it's a little a little dodgy. But I mean, his. I think his uh, resurrection under Tuchel has been something that, I, I, you know, I just didn't see coming and I'm I'm really happy that it's here. I mean, you, you don't have to go that far back to remember his block against Foden in the Champions League final and all the great work that he did in that Champions League run last year. He is clearly a leader on this team. And, you know, I think is one of those guys that has earned the ability to do all this shithouse stuff, right? If, if you're if you're a young guy, right? If you're Trev Chalaba, and like this is no offense to Trev Chalaba, you haven't really earned that respect from a lot of people. You know, Rudiger's played a long time, has been in the German national team for a long time. He's, you know, w- once you reach a certain age and, and a certain profile, you can you can do this kind of stuff. And it's like an accepted part of, you know, the world, whereas like a younger player has to go through that growth process. And yeah, I mean, the, the person that his performance helped the most yesterday was was his agent's pocketbook, uh, unfortunately, um, because, I mean, it, look, it was an outstanding performance. So, I mean, it was not, and it's not just the penalty wins, right? Which were, you know, really cheeky and, and well played. Like his control on the first one, it was a better, his first one was way better. His control of the ball in the first one, the way it was spinning, the way that he kind of like just barely touched it out of Rafinha's path is outstanding footwork. I mean, that's, that's not what you would consider a center back type of, uh, of uh, a ball manipulation, right? So he's just a good footballer. And those runs at a time when our, our left side has been struggling for a few matches now are so crucial to us having any sort of balance or width. And I mean, I think that's like the, you know, the, the alternate version of this, of course, you know, we've been giving up goals recently, which he will not love. Uh, and I think the whole squad needs to kind of rally around, but I mean, he's been one of our best players for, for the better part of a year now. And yeah, you'd certainly put him up there as as one of the best center backs in the league. You know, I think that he is also one of the, you know, there are many players in this side who have been a beneficiary both of Tuchel coming into the team. Clearly, Antonio Rudiger at 1,920 minutes across 21 matches uh, in all competitions uh, leads the team. Only Edouard Mendy at 1,918 minutes is even close to Antonio Rudiger or in terms of total minutes played this season. Um, he has been a beneficiary of Tuchel coming in, of the three-back system, of typically having a side with Ben Chilwell in it as well. Uh, that has something that I think has impacted his game too because now he has to track back a little bit faster. He has to cover a little bit more. So I think we're seeing... Partially him, but partially a system personnel change that he is being stretched a little bit more than he has been. And you, you know, maybe have seen him out of position on some of the goals. Again, when you concede 10 goals across a series of games in quick succession, you are probably going to be caught out if you're a defender for at least one of them. Yeah. Um you know, so I think those are the things, Elliot, as I'm looking at like Rudiger's importance, is like I think there's a lot 
probably the larger percentage of the pie is Antonio Rudiger as a player and his contribution. But I also don't want to discount the fact that he has been a beneficiary of a, a system that has been extremely stout defensively. And now any cracks I actually think are due to player personnel changes in the system. Yeah, and I think that that's maybe why Chelsea is so, like, I don't know what's the issue. Is I think it's probably, like, monetary that he's asking for more than Chelsea wants to give. And I think that's why they're being so hesitant because this system really has transformed him as a player. But if we look back last season when we were playing in a back four, um, we I couldn't pick our best centre-back pairing. I couldn't tell you which ones were our best centre-back in um that's probably what they're thinking. And he's thinking, well, I can leave on a free and make a ton of money elsewhere because they're not paying my transfer fee. And maybe he's already won the Champions League. Maybe he wants a, a new challenge. Um, but I, it is sad. Like, I, I really rate him as a player, in, especially in the system. Like you said, it's been more difficult because he has to cover Alonso more. He can't bomb forward as much because we're being left open uh, since Alonso is a bit slower and uh, more slower than Joel. And uh, <laughs> I try to be like as, as nice as possible. <laughs> but um, Not fast. He is not fast. He's faster he's, than any of us not. in running. That's probably for certain. But um, yeah, the, the bar is not my 40 time though. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think looking at how important he's been under Tuchel, it would be a shame if you were to go um i'm kind of mentally preparing myself already but yesterday was just proof of how important he is to the side um from a player's perspective and then from like a mentality perspective as well yeah i mean there's no there's no question about that It, it is it's fascinating to see the way that this team has kind of evolved right i mean going from relying on eden hazard for as long as we did, right? Who has more of a quiet, you know, watch me work type of mentality to this team of absolute monsters, right? I mean, Rudiger's a huge character. Tiago Silva's a big character. Cesar Spokwaita is growing, I think, more vocal over time, even though he was as quiet as a church mouse to start. Uh, Mason Mount, big character. Reese James, big character, right? Like, you're starting to see these guys really develop big Rom, huge character. Um, there, there's, there's just like kind of a, it, the shift has gone. We want the biggest, strongest team that we can get both physically and mentally. And you, you can kind of see that. And Rudiger has proven time and time again, that he's a massive part of the, of the, you know, kind of tip of the spear there. You know, you, you hope that they can work it out. Cause I think he's super, for the Premier League in a way that he's you're just really enjoying his football can get stuck in a little bit more. I mean, did you imagine him putting in some of those challenges in Spain that he did yesterday? I mean, I don't think it would go very well. There would be um, a crater in the earth uh, yeah, where man. the other player existed previously after yeah. he made the challenge. Yeah. So I, I just think, you know, it's, it's a match made in heaven if they can figure out the money. Uh, I, I will always tell someone, go get your money. You know, no one's going to advocate for you like you. So if, if it ends up that he's, it's kind of his, the end of his time here, I just, I hope that he has the best possible season. And, you know, and if there, if yesterday's any indication, I think it's going to be a really entertaining one at the very least. Yeah. Uh, ho- hopefully we can at least put some more silverware in that man's hands to get a, uh, 
tongue outside the mouth arm raise of a trophy celebration <laughs> type of moment because the guy is just wonderful. I mean, it's wonderful. it's wild though. It's it's yeah. a one calendar year basically. He wasn't starting. Actually, he was fifth string if you'd believe reports. Yep. It, you know, it's it's so crazy how quickly time can change and and perceptions can change and all that stuff and. You know, he's just continues to help his legacy and his reputation. And like that, that is just flat out it. His performances, his character, everything. Look, and there were people I think pointing out like, you know, I think the second penalty, Stonewall, that was very clear and obvious. And also like just boneheaded move on Klish's part. The first one, you know, the commentators were talking about how, oh, maybe it's not a penalty. And like, I don't think... If Rudiger gets up quickly, it gets called or it gets the level of scrutiny from Mike Dean. And so I appreciate that. Like there's the the understanding or the acumen, Ellie, of, hey, you know what? Like it, it is like he made contact. Like I should go down. Like I should make sure to really get this one across the line because uh, Chelsea have been done hard in the past with uh, our VAR loyalty points. We don't always get to mm. redeem them for a penalty. I think he kind of spoke about that during the match. Like, oh, I'm just going to go for it because what's the worst that can happen? Like the best case is that I win a penalty, so I'm going to go for it. And you always see him doing those kind of antics and tactics, which must be so infuriating for the other team, Uh, you know, going down, being like, oh, I have a muscle cramp or whatever. Um, And he's that he's really smart. And that's something that's part of the game and that you do have to do. I did think that the first penalty was a penalty like me watching and I really felt that Rafinha got more of Rudiger than he did of the ball um so I'm glad that we were given that one yeah I was too I mean the, the major point on that one is what they they mentioned in the commentary Dan uh Kavanaugh had to overrule himself because yeah. he was recommended to go to the monitor and like look the PGMOL and Premier League refereeing uh standards are so low that Every time it's like you're making someone admit they made a mistake, you're like, like they're just not going to do it because it will look bad on them. Uh, but I actually think for as bad of a game as he had, the fact that he did that was uh, was good. And it showed that, like, getting it right matters more than, you know, the subsurface uh, little, I guess, checks that you would do on, you know, is it is it overturnable or like whatever, you know, small thing exists there and. You know, it was clearly a penalty, you know, and it would have been really hard to see from his vantage point anyway. So I think he probably lets himself off the hook a little bit there. But I mean, he had a tough day out. (laughs) You know, not only was it both teams kind of tough challenges and very physical. I mean, it was as physical a Premier League game as we've seen for a while. He, like you said earlier, lost control of it pretty early on. And when you lose control of a game like that, you know, Antonio Rudiger happens, right? So, you know, it's like a kid in a candy store of all the terrible decisions that you can make. Um, and Rudiger's pulling some this off the shelf and this off the shelf and, uh, you know, creative dance celebrations come off the shelf and fights from 70 yards away. And yeah, it's it's cool. Yeah, it's like giving a kid a, a blank check at a at a toy store. Bad idea. Bad idea, Bad Chris idea. Kavanaugh. He, oh my he, god, you guys are killing me. <laughs> he, he's the most this. Diego Costa esque player we've oh. had since Diego Costa. And uh, look, 
at least he's not going to get a text message that says uh, you're not in the plans, and uh, that's how it ends. So at least if it does end uh, at the end of this season, it should be uh, hopefully in very good fashion on the back of a few more trophies. But we are leaking the back, and uh, Antonio Rudiger is a part of that, along with uh, several other players. Um, Ten goals in our last couple of matches here. Two versus Leeds, three versus Zenit, three somehow versus West Ham, one versus Wofford, and then one stupid one versus Manchester United. Uh, look, Nick, um, there's problems with the back line. There's problems with the defense. You know, I think we, we, we know how much we miss Chilwell. We know how much we miss, miss Ngolo Kante, Trev Chalaba. Uh, what is your short-term solution that you pull out of your thinking cap there to try and figure out how we get through the rest of December without giving up uh, gifts like stocking stuffers. Yeah. I, I was thinking about this yesterday because, you know, if you compare the way that we're playing this season to the way that we played under Tuchel last season, you know, I know the formation is the same. I know roughly the personnel is still the same, right? Big, big Rom obviously is a different type of player that we didn't have last year, but I, I think the solution is that we have to we have to not be as ambitious going forward, frankly. Like I think we have to keep tighter lines between our wing backs and midfield to our back three. I think we have to play a little bit more on the counter uh, from an offensive perspective, which probably benefits the personnel that we have right now anyway. And I think we I think if I were too cool. And I'm trying to get through that Liverpool match on the 2nd of January, right? Just knowing that this is going to be a tough stretch. I batten down the hatches first. I make sure that it is as frustrating to play against us as it was last year. And I know that's going to piss some fans off. I don't care. Uh, I Like Chelsea right now, offensively are not playing good enough football to win three, two every week. So like, we're not converting chances at a high enough rate to win three, two. We're not holding on to leads when we get them. You know, uh, it, it's just yesterday was a last goal wins type of game, right? And we were lucky to get it, but you could have easily seen it gone the other way. So that that to me is kind of where we're at right now. I would set up the team to be more defensive, to be kind of that indomitable clean sheet type of squad. Again, you might see, you know, two strikers up top with someone sitting in that hole like Mason Mount who's able to, you know, stretch the field a little bit, but provide some cover to the midfield, especially if the midfield's not healthy, like it hasn't been. Like, I think, I think you just need to take a hard look at that. If you're too cool, uh, Ellie, and make sure that we have our defensive structure sound, knowing that Alonzo is not the best defensive wing back that, that exists at the club. Uh, and just, you know, bet that, you know, Everton wolves, and, and the like are not going to score three against you at that point. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, honestly, because I've kind of been saying this for a while, but I didn't want to appear too negative when Chelsea were winning games. But we had Edward Mendy, who had like a 95 save percentage at one point, which is unsustainable. And then we also had those were the, the days. Yeah, those those were the days. And then we also had like our defenders and midfielders contributing to the majority of our goals and our attackers weren't scoring that many goals. And really, you can't realistically rely on your defenders to consistently score you goals every game either. So I do feel like a bit of it is like 
that wasn't sustainable. And this is catching up to us a little bit now. Mm -hmm. And then you add on top of that, all of the injuries having essentially a non-existent midfield because they're all out injured. And Ben Chiwell, who was one of the best players and in the best form ahead of his injury. So I agree that we have to play more defensively. Something that I've noticed is that I feel like we've been playing a very high line. There's been a lot of spaces between the midfield and the defense, and it just takes one or two balls and you're cutting through our entire team. I didn't see that so much last season. So I don't know what the difference is and how we're playing, why that's happening now. Um, another idea I had just to throw it out was to bring Aspie over to left wing back because you can't play Marcus Alonso every single game then you're forced to maybe play Christensen, who also has not been playing well since Tuchel came out and spoke about him publicly and his contract situation. So that is also not ideal. But maybe, you know, I feel that teams are really targeting our left-hand side because they know that they can probably get past Alonso and at least Aspie provides a little bit more of defensive coverage there, even if you have to sacrifice it in the attack a bit. Yeah, I mean, all of those, I think the the personnel, like, I, I don't think we're going to try a back four. Like, I've seen people be like, oh, let's go for back four. Like, this is the, you don't also have, like, a, a dearth of healthy center backs. And so, like, a back three makes more sense, but it's probably some type of part and parcel replacement for Marcus Alonso. I mean, obviously, people have, Matt's talked about potentially could Ian Matson come back. I mean, that is a deep end level of education to take someone uh, who's on a very healthy loan and be like, yes. cool, here's your Here you deputy go. star. <laughs> go, go Hope run you know the whole town. Um, I don't think that's great for him, but, you know, I mean, look what happens when you pop a player into position and give him an opportunity like Trevor Chalba. It could be a very similar thing. Like, so it's not outside the realm of possibility. The, the Christensen one's super interesting to me because I think on the it's like the inverse of the Rudiger trajectory, which is like every week it's like the agents like cool, uh, ten thousand more per week, twenty thousand more per week, and now it's Chelsea has a stronger I think negotiating position against uh, Christensen <laughs> after the last couple weeks. Uh, his performances, it's like uh, someone did a reboot on him and. He has uh, not been as solid, uh, you know, either in the center or in the right-hand side. And again, we have played with, as Ellie, you put it, a a midfield that is occupied by, like, one fil- midfielder and, like, the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. Like, that is how solid the midfield is right now. And uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't really exist. So I, I know that that does make it more difficult for these players. But I feel maybe individually Christensen uh, has not had his uh, strongest run of games uh, since Tuchel came in. No. Yeah, uh, something something that you touched on that's interesting is like the just to go back to the left wing back situation briefly. Um, you can either recall somebody from loan or you can try to buy somebody, but they're going to up the price because they know that you really, really, really need a left wing back. Um, going it's, to the- you're telling me it's not a secret. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So going back to Christensen. Like you said, I mean, he better just is in his best interest to sign the contract. I mean, whatever happens, I just want it to be done. Whatever happens, if he's not going to sign the contract, just stop it. It's in his best interest to know, okay, I'm going to be leaving at the end of the season and I can focus because just constantly moving the goalposts, not knowing where he stands, you can see that it's affecting his game. It's affecting him mentally. I don't know if it was the best choice by Tuchel to kind of call him out because I do think that he 
is maybe like more sensitive and like doesn't react well. I I definitely wouldn't if somebody called me out in public and said that I would be completely like not well. Um, but I just don't feel that we've been able to really rely on him so much. And recently because of all of this and it coincided at a time when Trevor was having really great games and got injured. So it's just extremely unfortunate. Well, Nick, we have seen at least uh, Trevor Chalba with some boots back on in the IG stories. So that is something we can feel positive about. Uh, we know that uh, hopefully Kovacic is coming back soon. And Goa Conte looks to be close to ready, hopefully, fingers crossed. And so I, I do think that will help with some of these defensive challenges. But I actually think your point around like the we need to batten down and make it super simple again and rebuild maybe a little bit is a that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Heading in the new year, refresh on good behaviors and habits that worked out well for you in the past. It's a good opportunity to go back to basics. Yeah, I, I think so. And it just it also matched it matches the personnel that we have available right now. I, I think it becomes an easier game if our back five play like a back five and not like a back two and a half with uh, a wing forward, actually two wing forwards with Reese and Alonzo, who would prefer to be in the opposition box rather than our own. Uh, yeah, I think I think it is a more controlled you know, more consistent type of performance. And look, it may be the ugliest thing we've ever seen. It may be a one nil scrappy win that happens against Everton, or it may be that Wolves, you know, are are giving it to us just as, as well as they gave it to um, Liverpool and City the last couple of matches. They were completely in those games and could have won both of those games, uh, if not for their own stupidity. So it's just going to be a really hard stretch of matches here there's just no other way to put it if you're looking for beautiful football over the next stretch i'm telling you no no just to add to that nick i think that this is like a crucial time for chelsea because i really feel that the title could be won or lost based off of our form Mm -hmm. city and liverpool both have won their last five games they're in brilliant form right now and we're just all over the place at the moment. And the problem is like, we have all the injuries now. We have the problem with left wing back now, and maybe we can address it in January, but we still have a ton of games that we need to play with the personnel that we have. So it's going to be so crucial to just try to grind out those wins and win these games, because these are games that we should be winning if we want to compete for the Premier League title. Well, I mean, look, it's not unlike uh, Chelsea have to play Everton, Wolves, Brentford, Aston Villa, Brighton uh, between now and the end of the month. And I'm going to throw Liverpool in there, too, because that ends up being on the 2nd of January. So, uh, you know, not just a, just a casual run through uh, some teams that are in good form or have been tricky to us in the past. It's, you know, I mean, it's what it is. It's uh, it's a thing. It's chaos. Um, we're going to play yep. a little bit of uh, Today I Learned, which, uh, you know, who doesn't enjoy a little Today I Learned thread? Uh, but this one was based off of this match. And uh, I asked the question on social. So I'll give you a minute, you know, in case you don't have one prepared. Uh, I don't see one in the script for you, Nicholas. Um, but these <laughs> are a couple of things that people said that they learned after watching this match. Uh, our good friend Jesse, who does the women's pod with us, said, uh, if I listen to the match while on a run, my heart rate will go through the roof when we win penalties. It's good to know so that uh, you know, the heart monitor does not jump crazy and uh, say that you're having a cardiac episode. Uh, team on the drugs with that Chelsea FC is not good for my health right now. Accurate. Janique with that we've become a lot easier to play against. Discuss that. Yep. 
Uh, Herb with the We Need Conte, absolutely. Our friend Andrew with English refereeing is truly shit. Uh, Claire, oh, Claire, we, we love this one. How fucking stupid leads are, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And Josh coming here with one that, you know, very humble, acknowledging that he's a newer Chelsea fan, only been a Chelsea fan for three years, but how much he like, dislikes leads already. Proper Chelsea move right there. Fantastic. It is. Great, it's great, a pro move. great today I learned from people. Uh, Nick, I think you, you just landed one in the nick of time, though. I spoke you to the runway. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm here. I, I already had it. It was just up in the old thinking box up here, Got up it. top. Uh, I learned that if you foul Callum Hudson-Odoi right in front of Chris Kavanaugh, that he'll allow play to move on and the other team will score and you'll be left wondering what the hell happened because that is the most ridiculous shit that I've ever seen. Mateus Klisch, uh, who uh, ends up, getting uh, a ball don't lie treatment later on by giving up a penalty uh, had Callum Hudson Adoy in a chokehold and wouldn't let him go, which is a clear foul. And apparently that's good enough for Chris Kavanaugh. So cool stuff. Wow. Yeah, that uh, that was going to be a, uh, a very contentious point of the script. If we had like if we have drawn or lost potentially off that, I I think, Ellie, that was one that was pretty egregious that didn't get called. I mean, but it kind of was just in line with how poor the the officiating was, maybe on a whole. (laughs) Nick is just shaking his head. He He had him in a (laughs) chokehold. And I'm like, what are you you looking at, man? Jeez. That reminds me of the incident. Was it... Was it against United when Aspie was in the chokeholds and we did? Oh, and Maguire, yeah, where he did yeah. the, the World Wrestling Federation move on him. <laughs> yeah, I'm laughing about it now, but I was uh, livid at the time that it happened. Uh, to give my what I learned, I hate being like pessimistic. I really try not to be pessimistic, guys. I promise I'm not like this. But- oh, it's great. You should try it. I <laughs> I try to always be optimistic on my channel, but for me, is what I learned is like we can't keep scraping by with these bad performances and getting wins. Like, obviously, I think it's good if you get a win when you haven't played well, but it can't be like the how it's going every single week. We need to put together some decent performances. Um, like you said, Nick. Don't think it's going to be pretty for the rest of December, but hopefully we can just scrape by this period and then going forward in January, play some nice convincing football and like really deserve those wins. I mean, even Tuchel talked about that too, right? He's like, you know, we kind of got by one with Watford. Like we haven't played well for a pretty extensive period of time. And then he's like, yeah, you know, sometimes we don't get the results. He's very honest. I appreciate how honest he is in these situations about where we're at and what's uh, what's possible. Uh, so I went with one which, uh, you know, someone tweeted out. I was like, where's Mason Mount this game? And then they score like two minutes later. Uh, phenomenal. Uh, but I put Mason Mount is going up another level. Like Mason at the moment, you look at 13 matches played, nine starts, just under 800 minutes. Six goals, obviously, three of those came from uh, one match, so in bunches. Uh, Four assists, though, um, Mm -hmm. currently at a minus PK, so we're going to take out the penalty of uh, a goal plus assist uh, 1.0 per 90 right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, His fastest to 10 goals assist contributions in a season by about half. (laughs) Um, this This is everything 
you wanted to see. This is the stuff that people who are city fans and rep Phil Fonin uh, get like tattoos on their chest over their heart to make sure they know how much Phil knows how much they love him. Uh, people who are repping Greenwood for United, like I mean, obviously Mason's kind of our guy, and you know we we will rep him in a similar fashion without the body ink. Um, but this is a very very impressive trajectory. I actually think the quality of the finish on that goal, Nick, was really really impressive. And like the, the it was also the pendulum of Alonso. Like Alonso gives up one of the worst penalties I've ever seen. And then also, amazing assist in the box for Mason to capture onto. Perfectly timed run. Um, but yeah, Mason is uh, is doing the business. Yeah, yeah, you're you're definitely right. I mean, that was a savvy finish, right? It, it was a, I can one time make this as hard as possible for the goalkeeper to see type of finish. And he didn't even move because there, there was no way he was getting down to save that kind of low left he hit it with his left too, which is even more impressive because he's, he's right foot dominant, but it is uh yeah. I mean, this guy is so impressive. Uh, gone are the days of, Oh, but when's he going to have an open field assist and blah, 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 blah. Like it, it's real. The haters are super quiet on the old timeline these days, which is fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, what's what I think more astonishing to me about this season, his trajectory, Ellie, is that you wouldn't, classify this so far this season even though he's leading us in stats and all this stuff as his most consistent football probably i mean i I think last year he was uh just as dynamic and impactful and maybe just lacked a little bit of the of the end product or, or wasn't put in a position to to be up front as much but i mean i think what he's doing with his minutes this year is even more impressive than his you know player of the season performance last year Yeah, I think that he didn't have the best of starts to the season, but honestly, like he has played so many minutes of Mm -hmm. football for Chelsea, for England. He's barely had a break. Like it just makes sense that he's burnt out mentally and physically. And then he had his wisdom teeth taken out. So that's a whole other recovery. And now it seems that he's finally getting back into it. And something that I wanted to highlight is that in the last three games, he has three goals and two assists. So it coincides with when Chelsea are not playing well. He's the one who's consistently stepping up and getting those goals and making making things happen. Um, He's only 22 years old, which is absolutely insane when you think about it like he's so young and he's already so good and so talented I could just praise him for days adore Mason Mountain it's just so incredibly impressive what he's doing yeah it's hard not to love a guy who's rising on the occasion when Chelsea need him the most he's uh donning the cape he is uh being the proverbial superhero in this moment to give us a little bit of extra to get through some of these difficult fixtures. But uh, before we head into Dan the match and other results, anything else we missed from this match? Anything else we wanted to talk about before we close the book on it? Um, I think, and I'm, I'm going to sound redundant here because I said that uh, Mendy would have saved the last goal against Senate in the midweek. I think Kepa would have saved the penalty yesterday. And it is so weird to have two goalkeepers that do the complete opposite thing. (laughs) Like one is a, a rock solid kind of do everything type of goalkeeper in Mendy, but just does not have the get off, you know, capability to save penalties. 
uh, unless they're hit right at him, like Man City chose to do last year, which is uh, real stupid. But yeah, I I think the penalty thing is going to be really interesting to see how Tuchel manages that moving forward, right? Like obviously you're not going to sub Kepa in in the 24th minute or whatever, but uh, it'll just be kind of interesting to see if we do go to penalties in any of these tournaments, right? The Carabao Cup or the FA Cup or Champions League, whatever how he manages that. And if it is kind of the Louis van Hall, uh, Tim cruel situation from the 2014 world cup, where you have a penalty, you know, it seems like that's what he's going to do. You have a penalty goalkeeper. Um, that'll just be fascinating to see if it kind of plays out like it did in the super cup. All right. Uh, Ellie, anything else from this match? No, I mean, just going off what Nick said, that's a really interesting point. I think Kepa has overtaken check as, having the most penalty saves in a shootout for Chelsea as well, which is absolutely insane. The man just loves the penalty shootout for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why, uh, but he's brilliant at saving penalties. And he also is one that like really like gets, he plays the mind games ahead of the penalties and the shootouts as well, which I really like. Um, but honestly, I feel like you guys like really mapped out this episode so, so well and got everything that happened during the game. So well done to you guys. Well, uh, you also played a key role in that, uh, helping us compress it down in a bite-sized format for people. But uh, look, we ended the day on the match. I didn't even run the poll because you know what? I just asked the question. Who's your damn match? Why is Antonio Masker of the Dark Arts Rudiger? I'm not giving people the opportunity to mess it up. And uh, this is how it works, Nick. I, I'm just trying to reduce errors for people this holiday season. You know, things are getting tight. People potentially have forgotten to buy gifts for loved ones. Still need to book travel. Like, you know, just one less thing to worry about. One less thing to screw up. Yep. <laughs> sure is. Uh, yeah, it's almost like you want them to bring the mask back just so that you have the extra oh, little bit yes. of of nonsense happening but yes he was certainly man of the match yesterday rudiger wearing the mask when he didn't if he didn't need to would be like a next level move iconic iconic yes (laughs) just Um, becomes zorro out of nowhere oh my gosh all right well other results uh we were recording this before crystal palace kicks off their match but Across the weekend, uh, actually started on Friday with Brentford beating Watford 2-1. Norwich uh, mightily tried to beat Man United. Uh, could not get it done. <laughs> Billy Gilmore, great performance, though. Uh, 1-0 win to United. 1-0 win for Liverpool over Villa. Needed a penalty as well. Uh, obviously, Chelsea 3-2 against Leeds. Arsenal 3-0 against Southampton. And former Chelsea legend, Lee Caballero in goal. Uh, not a fine day out for him. Nope. Man City. Winning one nothing against Wolves with the funniest uh, two yellow cards in a minute type of scenario for Raul Jimenez. Uh, Cue the City, Benny Hill music on that yeah, one. City also needed a penalty to win. So Chelsea, Liverpool, City, all beneficiaries of penalties helping us secure our three points. Leicester doing the business, making sure that Newcastle is still on the brink of relegation. We appreciate so. that for nothing. And then Burnley doing us a favor and trying to create a little bit of a gap in that top part of the table by drawing with West Ham nil-nil. Isn't that just the Premier League? West Ham go out, beat Chelsea, have beaten Liverpool, and Burnley comes, or they, they go up to Burnley, go up to Turf Moor, have nothing. I mean, like... That that's like if you're a West Ham believer that they're going to make top four and like you would be well within your rights because I think they have a legitimate shot at it. It's that kind of result that makes you go, eh, 
Are we ready? Like, I, like, eh. so, I feel look. like every team draws against Burnley. I don't know why. Like, they always them. are the one. Always. I want them in Newcastle to go down so badly. I can't even tell you. Um, I, I will just quickly say on the coverage of the of the top three yesterday, uh, one the NBC coverage, and I've been ultra complimentary of of NBC. Okay, I think they do a phenomenal job. Good caveat. Good caveat. Okay. Uh, because here comes the pain train. Uh, I think they did a horrific job covering the top three yesterday. Uh, if you watch those Liverpool and City results, and then you watch the Chelsea Leeds result, the, it was framed as Chelsea got lucky to win. And perhaps you're right, but then every other, like the other two teams won by penalties, and City were so fortunate to have the dumbest red card ever in a period of 45 seconds happen. And Liverpool were lucky to get a pen. Like, I don't know, man. Uh, and th- they were actually lucky to not give up a pen as well. Like, the the framing around Chelsea are just lucky and the other two are really good, I think is really, really, really poorly managed from a narrative perspective. And I, I don't, I hope it doesn't continue because I think it just shows bias. And I, you know, it, it, the commentary yesterday during the match was pro leads as much as I've heard in a long time. Like, Wow, they're so much fun to watch, and Chelsea are just dogged. What are you talking about? Like we're we have all the possession. We're living in their bot. Like what? It drives me nuts, Dan. So just a little bit of uh, balance to that perspective. Well, I I don't think you're going to get that, but we will look at the table as it stands, and thankfully. Um, Chelsea keeping pace with Man City on 38 points. Uh, Liverpool second on 37. Chelsea in third on 36. Two points behind City, one point behind Liverpool, and now building a little bit, a little bit, just a touch of a gap between the third and fourth positions with West Ham being on 28 points. United slowly climbing up against the R-squared Ralph Ragnick uh, era, 27 points. They're just behind West Ham now, looking to pipe that fourth position. Um, I mean, they don't look good, though. Can we just be honest? That is correct, yes. Norwich took it to him yesterday. I mean, they straight up, Norwich took it to Man United yesterday. And if not for just not having a forward, probably win that game. It was so frustrating to watch because all I wanted was Billy G to score the winner and for all of us to go. Adrian Gilmore, like, that's it. So, yeah, dumb. Well, at least Dean Smith is playing him now, so it looks like uh, he will get the opportunity to Agent Gilmore somebody at some mm-hmm. point. Uh, just probably not Manchester United. Um, Arsenal in six on 26 points. Uh, Spurs with the massive COVID outbreak actually now have two games in hand, and they are on 25 points. Their uh, match versus Brighton called off because they were just not going to have enough players available <laughs> for either side. Um Leicester, though, climbing back up the table, 22 points, 8th position. Wolves, 21 points, ninth position. Brentford, 10th on 20 points. Uh, Brighton going down uh, to 11th. Aston Villa on 12th, so a little bit of that good uh, run. The Stevie G Manager run. bump. Yeah. yeah, manager bump may be done and dusted. Uh, Everton, 19 points. Uh, this is live currently. Crystal Palace on 17. Leeds on 16. Southampton on 16. Watford on 13, and then Burnley on t- 11, and then Newcastle and Norwich both on 10 points. And I am, I'd am i be so happy if this was the bottom three. So Those happy three? to take it and be done. Yeah, I I would, I think Norwich is a better story than Watford. So I would like swap those two if I had my like perfect bottom three. I want Leeds to barely stay in the Premier League just so we can continue to beat them up. But, 
yeah, if, if those three went down, if you could guarantee it tomorrow, I'm in. Done. Do, do you feel the same way, Ellie? Um. Well, I feel uh, so Ellie doesn't bad. have the hate in her heart that, that I, I yeah. do. <laughs> I, I, I actually like one of my good friends, Kendall, you might know her on Twitter. She's a Newcastle fan. So I couldn't wish for them to go down because I know how much it would hurt her. Uh, so I would feel really bad if they did go down. But I hope Burnley go down because we always struggle against Burnley. Like every single year we drop points against Burnley. So I wouldn't mind that one. Well, uh, as it stands, uh, the championship uh, leaders, if you're looking at who would come up in their place, uh, Fulham, uh, very much uh, five points ahead of third place right now. Uh, Bournemouth is uh, on the train to come back with an automatic promotion. And then your three through six right now are uh, Blackburn Rovers, West Brom, QPR, and Stoke. There's a very interesting mix of teams that can come back up this uh, this next season. Stoke. I haven't heard that name in years. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode. Uh, Ellie, massive, massive thanks for making time at, during your trip back to the U.S., which was, uh, I was like, oh, okay, let's figure out a time that works. You know, we being in Spain and us being here, like, ah, I'm in the U.S. This is great. So I'm glad we could make it work. Glad we could get you on. It was fantastic. And uh, yeah, I mean, you should tell people about where they should find you, too. They <laughs> probably know you already. But just in case there's like someone listening who's like, oh, I don't know who this person is, but they're really cool. Let me go find them. Well, first off, thank you so, so much for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. I really, really enjoyed it. So happy to hop on whenever. And yeah, if you don't know me, you can find me on Twitter at Ellie underscore Hellenic. I couldn't fit my full name in my Twitter handle by one character, so I had to shorten it. And then I have my own YouTube channel where I post a lot of like Chelsea, Premier League, FPL content. That's just my name, Elizabeth Hellenic. And then Instagram is Elizabeth underscore Hellenic. And I tried I tried TikTok. It's not going so hot. I don't know how to use that app. I feel way too old <laughs> to be using TikTok, but I'm trying to figure it out. So if you want to have a laugh or give me ideas, I'm Elizabeth Helnick on there as well. The synergy. The synergy is fantastic. Very easy to find. You just got to remember the name. Uh, Nick, again, appreciate you as always. Uh, an uh, extra credit uh, gold star today for your, your wonderful work on the shithouse moments of the match. I know it's a lot of hard work for you, but uh, glad you were able to get it done for us. Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And uh, yeah, hopefully that is not the last time that we have multiple shit-ass moments in a match. All right, everybody. Well, that is going to wrap us up. Uh, really, really appreciate you tuning in. we got tons more pods coming out this week uh, mm-hmm. about the best teams in England, the best teams in Europe, the best teams in the world, Chelsea FC. But until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.